Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, if you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like one and you're comfortable, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your smart device and open up the version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures. Everything except for pictures has already been uploaded on there. And we'll put everything up on the screen behind me just to make it as easy as possible. If you're watching us online or at one of our other gatherings, I love you. So glad that you're part of our family. Super welcome to our tailgate gatherings today who are getting ready for Sunday night football and so glad that you guys who are here live give yourselves a hand for being here live and in the flesh on father's day 1999 ron shannabarger he jumped into the shower and asked his wife amy to go and wake up their seven-month-old son tyler when amy walked into the bedroom she found their son cold and stiff face down in his crib. She screamed. Ron ran into the room and immediately told her to call 911. When the doctors examined the baby, they ruled the cause of death to be SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. They buried Tyler two days later. A few hours after the funeral, Amy sat in the living room sobbing. She was racked with guilt, couldn't help but thinking that she should have checked on him more often during the night. The night before Father's Day, she had come home exhausted. Ron had already put the baby to bed, so she immediately went to sleep. As she sat on the couch weeping, Ron sat down and told her an unfathomable story. While their precious little seven-month-old baby boy was playing with his feet in the crib, Ron loosely wrapped his head in plastic, sat down, ate dinner, brushed his teeth, and came back just in time to see his precious baby boy take his last breath. He then removed the wrap, turned the baby on his stomach, switched off the light, and went to sleep. He was always the first one to go in and wake Tyler up, but that Father's Day morning, he asked Amy to do it because he had planned for her to be the one to discover the body. With a look of shock and horror, she asked him why. He said, now we're even. Even for what, she said. He went on to tell her that he had never forgiven her for not cutting a cruise she'd been on with her parents short to come home and comfort him when his dad had died. He told her that the minute that she did that, he decided to marry her, have a child with her, and to someday kill that child. What was it that left behind such wreckage, the carnage of a dead child, broken marriage, shattered wife and mother, and a 49-year prison sentence for a husband and a father? One word, bitterness. I want to talk about that today in a message that we're calling a bitter pill to swallow. Let's pray. God, we love you and we value you, God. This is the day that you have made so we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. God, I pray for my friends on this side of the screen and on the other that God, as we wrestle with, as we war with some of the emotions that we're feeling on the inside, I pray that The peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. I pray today that for all of us who struggle with the situations that we find ourselves in, 
that you would do whatever surgical procedure is necessary today to help us to leave this place less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Of all the emotions that we're going to cover, I think that this is probably the most dangerous. Of all of them, uh, I fear it creeping into my life more than anything else because bitterness is an acid that destroys its own container. And sadly, I know that this room is filled with people who are wrestling with it. There's some emotions that we're going to deal with. There's some emotions that we're going to talk about that some people deal with and some people don't. Uh, one of the emotions that I wrestle with, that I struggle with, is anger. And it's, it's, uh, it's an ongoing thing for me. I grew up in a challenging, difficult, rough kind of environment that really kind of just not only welcomed, but required you to live in anger. It is a difficult emotion for you to cut off. I find myself uh, wrestling with anger uh, in every area of my life, uh, whether I'm at the bank or I'm in traffic or I'm at Walmart or my food's not coming quick enough at a restaurant. The smallest of things can just pew. My wife, uh, Sunny, she, she, she doesn't wrestle with that at all in 26 years of being married to her. I, can, I could count on one hand the amount of times that I have watched her lose her cool. Some people wrestle with some things and some people don't. Some people wrestle with depression. Some people, they don't. But I think every person in this room has had some sort of an encounter with bitterness. You're bitter at God for a tragedy that happened in your life that you feel he could have or should have prevented. You're bitter at a spouse who left you for another person and made you a single parent, left you to raise these kids on your own. You're bitter at a company that let you go with no severance even though you served them faithfully for decades. You're bitter at someone who physically or sexually abused you, stole your innocence. You're bitter at a father who never gave you his approval or a mother who never affirmed her love for you. Maybe you're bitter with the church because you've had some sort of a bad experience. Whatever your reason or how justified it may be, some of you are in this room and you are bitter. And it is silently eating you alive from the inside out, which is probably the most dangerous thing about bitterness, is that it is internal. It can be hidden. It's like swallowed anger and it lays, it lays in wait. What it really is is harbored hurt hidden in your heart. And God is far from silent on it because he knows that it can be harbored, but it ultimately cannot be hidden. Jesus said the good person out of the good treasure of his heart, he produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure, he produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this book it is filled with different examples and different Lessons on all kinds of emotions, but a lot on bitterness. The, the book of Hebrews, which uh, the author doesn't uh, name himself, he doesn't take credit, but I mean, most theologians think that uh, it was the Apostle Paul who wrote it. And some of that is because of what it does in its addressing of bitterness. Paul is a guy who, if you read his story, or like you can go back and watch, I did a six-month series on uh, it was supposed to be on the book of Romans and it ended up mostly being on the Apostle Paul. But you, you can really, uh, when you uh, look at his life and the timeline of it, you can understand how a guy like Paul 
would struggle with bitterness. And so when you come into the book of Hebrews, it, it talks a lot about bitterness. It gives us a strong warning about the danger of it, but gratefully, it also gives us some really great wisdom on how to deal with it. So today, I wanna show you three. Three ways for you to deal with and hopefully eradicate yourself of bitterness. Here's the first is that you have to uncover the root. Uncover the root. Hebrew says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And this analogy of a root, it speaks to the hiddenness of bitterness. Roots, they're, they're beneath the surface. You, you can see every part of a tree except for the root. You can see the trunk, you can see the branches, you can see the leaves, you can see the fruit, but the roots, they're hidden. They're, they're often out of sight, out of mind, and, and uh, they can degenerate progressively. You can have a healthy-looking trunk, you can have healthy-looking branches, healthy-looking leaves. You can even have healthy-looking fruit for a season while the degeneration slowly spreads beneath the surface. And even though the root isn't very far from the surface, it stretches deep into the soil. It spreads its disease into its surroundings. Bitterness is like that. It may be hidden, but it's never very far from the surface of your lips or of your life. It, and it's reaching deep into the soil of your soul. Just like every root has a seed in the soil, so does bitterness. The seed is the hurt, and the soil is your heart. And people who struggle with bitterness, they, they take that seed of hurt, and they fertilize it. They cultivate it. They feed it, water it, dwell on it. And the more they do that, the deeper the root grows, the more the infection spreads, and the more the infection impacts the fruit. They become impatient. They become angry, negative, critical, judgmental. Everything and everyone becomes an issue. Do you know people like this? Everything and everyone's an issue. They start looking for the negative in everything and everyone. And because of that, it causes stress. It causes anxiety, even depression. And they can go to counselors. They can go to therapists. They can even get on medication. But nothing seems to help because they're dealing with the branches or they're dealing with the leaves, but they're not dealing with the root. They're dealing with the symptoms, not dealing with the source, which is one of the things I love about life, uh, about uh, Journey to Wholeness, is this idea that there is a root cause to every single thing that is reflected in our lives. That whatever emotion it is that you're experiencing, whatever trauma it is that you're experiencing, they're mostly symptoms that you'll never overcome until you deal with the source. Years ago in a tiny village in a remote part of Africa, villagers, they started getting sick. They were overcome with nausea. Several weeks went by and the sickness continued to spread. People started dying in droves. Uh, when the disease spread to the next village and then to the next village and then to the next village, experts were sent in to find the source of the sickness. Uh, they soon discovered uh, that the water was contaminated. The villages, they got their water supply from a spring-fed mountain stream, so the experts, they began to track back. They, they decided to go upstream and try to find the source of the sickness and the pollution. When they got to the mouth of the stream, everything looked totally fine on the surface. They were, they were at a loss. It couldn't be coming from anywhere else. They decided to hire and send divers 
to explore the floor of the stream, what the divers discovered shocked everyone. A large mother pig and her baby piglets were wedged right at the opening of the spring. Evidently, they'd been overtaken when they were trying to cross and had somehow gotten stuck. And as the river rose, they were hidden beneath the surface. Every drop of that seemingly clean, clear mountain spring water was being contaminated as it flowed past an invisible decomposing remains of dead pigs. When the experts extracted the pigs, they tested the water again, and before long, it was flowing clean again. It was flowing pure again, and as the water began to flow clean and pure, the disease began to disappear. The problem wasn't on the surface or even in the water. It was under the surface. It was at the source. If you want to free yourself of bitterness, you've got to uncover the root. What is it inside of you that causes you to live your life in such angst and animosity. The second thing is that you have to understand the result. A bitter root always bears bitter fruit. It has no choice. Good things can't come from bad things, and bad things can't come from good things. That's just the way I translate it. You you can't have good stuff come from trifling people, and you can't have ugly stuff come from good people. Yeah, you ever meet some people who uh, you, you just can't imagine something bad coming from them? Just people that are just happy and just friendly. Yeah, uh, you ever see the movie Elf with, uh, with Will Ferrell? If that, if that was the only movie that you ever saw, you would feel like, that must be what Will Ferrell is like. Like, he just said, yeah. Like, you can't, you can't ever. Can you imagine if they made an Elf movie that had cussing in it? <laughs> You can't imagine Buddy the Elf dropping an MF anywhere. No, it's like, what? You'd be like, this is Buddy. Smiling is his favorite. On the flip side, you got some people who you go, oh, oh. I can't imagine that guy ever saying anything nice. Like some comedians that you get around, and it feels like it's like a, like a contest for them to see how many cuss words they can get out or how ugly they can be. Because that's like, here's the thing. Good stuff can't come from bad places, and bad stuff can't come from good places. Bitter fruit always comes from a bitter root. And if that root is allowed to grow, Hebrew says it's going to cause trouble, watch this, and defile many. In other words, it's not only going to mess you up, it's going to mess up everybody who comes into connection with you. Like when you're bitter, you take bitterness with you everywhere you go. And, and, and it'll, do, it'll do nothing but cause you trouble. No matter where you go, there you are. Uh, when I was growing up, I was a thief and a liar. I used, I used, to, I used to love stealing stuff. I, and I love stealing everything, man. I just, if it was there, you know, I wanted to steal it. And it wasn't because I needed it. It was because when I would steal, like, it, I, would, I would get this adrenaline rush. It was like, it was, I did a lot of drugs growing up, and to me, there was no better high, nothing more euphoric than to go into a store and take something that didn't belong to you. It got to be my, my calling card. It was the thing, people just knew it about me. So I had friends who would recruit me to steal stuff for them. Hey, man, uh... Could, could you go to Dunham's and give me, uh, give me some wristbands for basketball? Like, bet. 
You want Adidas? Do you want Nike? Do you want blue? Do you want white? Do you want black? Do you want them? I'll get them all. You need them all? I'll get them all. You need the shoes too? Need some socks? And I wasn't even afraid to get caught. It was the adrenaline rush and it became part of my identity. When I went away to college, I, I had an opportunity to reinvent myself, to recreate myself, but it didn't take long until that root produced fruit. I, I broke into an apartment, stole a bunch of stuff, got caught, got convicted, and wound up locked up because wherever you go, there you are. And bitterness is the same way. When you're bitter, everywhere you go, you take it with you. And everywhere you go, you infect the new soil that you find yourself planted in. And it'll affect you on the inside and it'll affect you on the outside. Like it'll affect you mentally. A bitterness, it takes over your mind. When you're bitter towards someone, you'll carry a, a mental picture of them everywhere that you go. You'll think about them constantly. You'll dream about how, how you can hurt them or how they, they, uh, you wish that they could get hurt. You, you wish that their mama calls them ugly and that their lady breaks up with them and that their dog gets sick and just lays on the ground and loses his teeth and has to eat expensive dog. Basically, you wish their whole life would turn into a country song is what I'm saying. Like when you take bitterness with you, you'll, you'll fantasize about these people constantly. You spend countless hours thinking of how you can get even with them. When you've got an internal conflict because of an external conflict with someone, it'll affect you psychologically until you resolve it. Like this is a real thing. It's called the, the, the Zagarnik effect. It, and the Zagarnik effect refers to the brain's process of keeping unresolved issues under active status. Once a task is successfully completed, our brains are designed to file that info into a special memory and that memory is then no longer given priority attention. But, but when you have a situation that hasn't been resolved, your brain will keep it in an active file until a solution's been found. We've all experienced it. Here's an example. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever seen a person and you knew that you knew that person, but you just couldn't remember their name? You're like, it's, it's uh, 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 you ever know people like this? My wife, Pat, says it. But she's, uh, I've never met anybody who loves people more than my wife, but I've never met anybody worse with names. That's, uh, she'll like tell you a whole story about somebody and be using the wrong name. And then she won't know why you're confused by the story. And she'd be like, hey, uh, you know, Jim at such and such, and he did such and such, and then we went to the thing, and, blah, 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 and she'll tell the whole story. And I'll be sitting there like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, you, you know the guy, this is the guy got the red hair. I go, oh, oh, you mean Rich. Not even close. So Jim, Rich, the name's not even close. It's just like this, this thing. And she loves that person with her whole being. It's just there's something that the name, like I'm not, I'm not great with names. And when I see people, sometimes I'm like, I, sometimes I see people and, I, and anytime somebody smiles at me, for example, I think they know me. That's, you know, I don't know if that's arrogance or what that is, but that, I just, have you ever, I, sometimes I walk up to people like I know them. I was in an airport in Atlanta, and this guy, 
This is like, like smi- he's smiling. He's just like looking at, he's, and, you know, I thought, hey, I must know this guy. This guy must know. Maybe he recognizes me. Maybe he does a gathering. And I start walk towards him, and he just walked past. He's smiling at the guy behind me. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, hey, this is super awkward right now. Go Hawks. You know, it's like, this is ridiculous. And so... Uh, Sometimes when you see somebody and you think, I know their name, and, you just, and then a couple of hours later, the name suddenly comes to you, that's because your brain the whole time subconsciously wouldn't let it go. It was spinning in the background until it was resolved. Bitterness has the same effect. Your brain will not let it go until it's been resolved. It just keeps spinning in the background because bitterness will affect you mentally. It'll also affect you emotionally. Our doctors now know that bitterness acts like a depressant. And so we have a whole generation of people who are addicted to antidepressants when the one depressant that they're trying to solve is the one that they won't acknowledge. You know, in all my years, I've never met a happy, bitter person. Uh, bitter people, they're critical. They're negative. They're fault-finding. They, uh, they, they have a victim mentality. Like a surefire way for you to tell if somebody's a bitter person is if they play the blame and shame game. It doesn't matter what's happened to them. It's always someone else's fault. They're never responsible for anything. They're always the innocent party. They, they never have anything to apologize for. They, they think everyone's done them wrong. They think everyone's done them harm, but they don't see any of the harm that they've done to others or even to themselves. That's why bitterness is so dangerous. It'll cause you to burn your house down to kill a mouse. It'll turn you into an emotional suicide bomber where you want to hurt others, but you just end up killing yourself because bitterness will affect you emotionally. It'll also affect you uh, physically. Your body was not created to nourish bitterness. Your your back was never built to carry grudges. The, The World Health Organization has identified more than 50 diseases that can be caused by bitterness, and it ranges from high blood pressure all the way up to ulcers. An article in the New York Times, it stated, researchers have gathered a wealth of data largely suggesting that chronic anger is so damaging to the body that it ranks with or even exceeds smoking, obesity, and a high-fat diet as a powerful risk factor for early death. In a study at the University of Michigan, go blue, a group of women were tested to determine which ones were harboring long-term bitterness. They, They tracked those women for 18 years, and the outcome was shocking. Women with suppressed anger and bitterness were three times more likely to have died during this study than women who didn't harbor bitterness. Two well-known clinical physicians, uh, Drs. Frank Mirnith and Paul Miner, they researched 10,000 patients who were burnt out, people who had either quit their jobs or given up on life, and they diagnosed the top three reasons. Uh, They were surprised. By the results, the number one reason that people had burned out wasn't stress or overwork. The number one cause of physical and emotional burnout was bitterness, being unwilling to forgive or let go of a grudge, because bitterness will affect you physically. It'll also affect you spiritually. It's why Hebrews says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. Inwardly, there'll be nothing but turmoil in your life. There'll be constant tension 
between you and the people around you, but upwardly there'll be trouble between you and God. You won't find peace or joy or happiness, whether you look in the mirror, out the window, or up to the sky, because bitterness will affect you spiritually. It's a spiritual heartburn that you'll carry everywhere you go. So if you want to free yourself of bitterness, you've got to uncover the root, you have to understand the result, and finally you have to undergo the removal. And I say undergo because it's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's like, it's like surgery. I heard someone describe bitterness as a prison, and they pointed out that when you put someone in the cell of your bitterness, you're the one stuck guarding the door. You need to understand the only way to get free of bitterness is to release the person that you're bitter toward. And, and by doing that, you're ultimately freeing yourself. Because you know who's paying for bitterness is you. You're, you're the one losing sleep. You're the one who's developed ulcers. You're, you're the one who's miserable and can't enjoy life because you're thinking about that person. But I got news for you. They're not thinking about you at all. They already moved on to their next victim. They're already wrecking somebody else's life while you're sitting around moping and focusing on them. So as the great philosopher Barney Fife said, you got to nip it in the bud. Or as my kids used to say, you got to nip it in the butt. Either way, to do that, you got to remember that bitterness is a root. It's underground, which means you got to find it. You got to dig it up and you got to throw it away. The only cure is a spiritual root canal. To save a tooth that's either decayed or infected, a dentist goes inside your tooth, removes the nerve and the pulp from the tooth, they clean it completely on the inside, remove the decay and infection, then seal the tooth so that the infection can never return. If you've ever gotten a root canal, you'll understand it's not pleasant, but it's necessary because the only alternative is to lose the tooth. So the question is, how is that done spiritually? Well, listen, it's uh, simple but difficult. It's the thing I, I am frustrated by about this book. I love, I love this book, and I love all the lessons in it. I love all the stories in it. I, it's just frustrating. I don't know if any of you, maybe I'm the only guy in this room who thinks that. But when, you know, when I read the book, it just frustrates me because I just wish it were easier. I just, I wish uh, the recipe for fixing our lives was, uh, was more like a TED talk and uh, less like surgery. I, I hate the fact that when I read the book, it makes me feel like someone's spying on me. I don't know if you ever feel like that, but if, I think I've had people who have come up to me and they, they ask me how I knew. How did you? Like I have a Nest camera, you know, all of your house, like I'm NSA. Like we don't, by the way, we don't have, uh, we don't have Nest cameras in, I mean, tw only 20% of your houses. You're just kidding. <laughs> You'll never know who, no, I'm just kidding. You're like, what a weirdo. You talked about Jack Nicholson a couple weeks ago. Now he talks about having our houses bugged. We don't have any of your houses bugged. We don't, we don't have any time for that. It's like this idea that the Bible just messes with me though. And I wish that it were easier, but it's just not. And the reason that it's not is because God understands that difficult things are the only things that will define our character. 
And, and so as easy as it is to say some of these things, it is equally as difficult to do them because there's, there's really only two things that we can do that will cure us of our bitterness. And the first is to just forget it. Just forget it. You have to take whatever's been planted in you and you gotta burn it. You can't throw it away, you can't bury it, you gotta burn it. The book of Ephesians says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And the Greek word there that is translated to those three little words, get rid of, literally means to burn. So it's saying you gotta burn all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. You gotta, you gotta get that get even feeling out of your heart. And to do that, you You've got to burn the root. Just forget it. The second way to deal with bitterness is even more difficult, is you've got to forgive it. And, and it's, it sucks. And it's not fair. It just isn't fair. Because some of the stuff that happened to you was real. Like, like it wasn't like trite. It wasn't small. It, it wasn't like someone cut you off in traffic. Someone did something to you that was wildly inappropriate and it wounded you and it, it like damaged you deep inside of who you are. And then you read the pages of this book and you, and you say, it's easy for you to say like, you don't know what happened to me or you weren't there when they touched me or they said that or they pushed. You, and, and it isn't, and it isn't fair that you're asked to forgive the people who offended you, but it also isn't fair for you to ask God to forgive you. The challenge of our spiritual lives is, is that they're not fair. Life isn't fair. They don't balance out. The good things that you do in life will never balance out the bad things that you do in life. So forgiveness isn't fair, but what I can tell you it is, is it is freeing. It is fulfilling. And this is what forgiveness is. It's giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Let me say that again. It's giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Can you imagine if God chose not to give up his right to hurt those who've hurt him? We'd all be dead. But instead, in the most painful moment of his life, Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And ultimately, most of the people, not all of the people, but most of the people who have hurt you, most of the people who are wounded you, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what the long-term, doesn't make what they did right, but they didn't know the long-term impact, the long-term effects that it was going to have on you. And yet Jesus, knowing that, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, re revenge never gives the return that we want. I heard a story of a soldier who was deployed to Afghanistan, and during his deployment, he received a Dear John letter from his fiance. Uh, the letter said that she'd met someone else, they'd fallen in love, and they were going to get married. He was devastated. Uh, but to add insult to injury, she asked him if he would return his favorite picture of her because she wanted to use it as the picture for her engagement announcement in the newspaper. Man, he was hot. He, he automatically started thinking of ways that he could get even with her. And, and when the guys in his platoon heard what happened, they launched a plan. 
They went through the barracks and they collected pictures of all their girlfriends and filled a shoebox with them. And the soldier then went and mailed the pictures to his now ex-fiance with a note that said, please find your enclosed picture and return the rest because for the life of me, I can't remember which one you were. I almost didn't even tell that story because I laughed so hard when I read that. I was like, bro, <laughs> that's so dope. I thought that is the sickest story I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. And then I realized that it's funny in principle, but from a practical standpoint, all he did was lower himself. The truth is no one ever truly gets even. When you try, you just pull yourself down to the level of the person that hurt you. When you try to get even, you just lower yourself to the lowest common denominator. And as hard as it sounds, just let it go. Just forgive it. Because you can be full of bitterness and empty of Jesus, or you can be full of Jesus and empty of bitterness, but you can't be both. Life is difficult. It can be a bitter pill to swallow. It can be filled with hurt. But I wonder if you'll take the hurt that's been heaped on you and if you'll forget it and if you'll forgive it. I hope you will because whatever it is you decide is going to determine what you're full of. Would you close your eyes all across this place? What is it that you are full of? Are you full of angst and anxiety, animosity? Are you filled with hatred? Are you filled with remorse? Are you filled with regret? Are you filled with bitterness? Or are you filled with Jesus? You know, when you're filled with bitterness, there is a void of Jesus. That's the very thing that Jesus died for. Jesus died so whatever void was left in you could be filled with him. Maybe you're here today and there is a void that is within you. An absence of goodness, an absence of forgiveness, an absence of love, an absence of Jesus. This morning, we're going to give you the opportunity to fill that void with the only thing that can change your life, to fill it with Jesus. That's what salvation is. It is filling the spiritual void in your life with the only thing that can change it. It really requires two things, confession and profession. Confessing that you've got sin in your life and professing that you believe Jesus can change that. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do both. And here's how. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for people to do two things. First is uh, in just a moment to raise their hand and make eye contact with me, which will serve as your form of confession. And then secondly, I'm going to say a few lines in a prayer that I'm going to pause. And if you repeat those lines after me and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says, you will be saved. Jesus will fill that spiritual void in you and begin a relationship with you. So if you're here and you say, Sean, I, d I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like to before I leave this place with nobody looking around, uh, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now in this place? Thanks, 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 thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to ask everyone in here to repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life. Please forgive it. Come into my life. Change me. 
Make me different. Forgive me. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you're in here and you'd say, Sean, I'm a, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl. I'm saved, as they would say, but I got bitterness in my life. And, and, and maybe it's well-earned, but you brought it in here, but you don't want to take it out. If that's you and you say, Sean, I got some bitterness in my life. I don't want to leave it here with nobody looking around. Do you raise your hand so that I could pray for you right in this place? Yes, yes, yes. Jesus, for so many people in this place who are wrestling with, struggling with bitterness, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would heal them, help them, renew them and restore them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That. The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you.